Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is technology alone won't integrate your supply chain with my friend, Paul Jensen. Hey, Paul. Good morning. How are you doing? Very good. Very good. How are you? Great. Good to be here, Joe. Yep. So I've known Paul for a number of years. We worked on a project together. He's over in Des Moines, and I got a chance to go over and see him and the fine fellas over at Ruan. So uh, we were just kind of catching up when we were prepping rather than prepping. So we were more more, uh, catching up. But anyway... Paul, please introduce yourself and your company. Yeah, good. So uh, my name is Paul Jensen. I'm Senior Vice President of Supply Chain Solutions with Ruan Transport in Des Moines, Iowa. We are an asset-based, full-service, third-party logistics company providing services across really four different verticals, a contract-dedicated transportation, managed transportation, value-added warehousing, and brokerage services, so transactional truckload brokerage services. Uh, We're an 88-year-old family-owned company. So it's, it's a great place to be. Yeah, very nice. And I've, I've had the chance to meet all the people over at Ruan. And uh, Paul, you have the dubious distinction. You were the first person in my real life who said, hey, I like your podcast. And I was <laughs> I was just struck like, what? What? <laughs> I did, thought it was just me and my mom listening. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've had the chance to work with Paul and the guys over at Ruan. And I've, I just it's come up on my podcast a lot lately. I've got a chance to go over and see them in Des Moines, which I was really blown away by how much I like Des Moines because it's just one of those, I live in a flyover state, I live in Michigan, but I'm always kind of blown away when you go somewhere and you go, God, this is a great city. It's really nice over there. So I've, uh, I've it's a cool place. And if you go see Ruan, you always think I'm going to drive to some trucking, some terminal somewhere. I went and this, the nicest building downtown, I stayed in the Hyatt next door and I went over and I was like, this is pretty slick. I, I, what floor are you guys on? 32nd floor. Yeah, so you can see all of Des Moines from their uh, conference rooms. Very nice, very nice. Anyway, Paul, before we get into the topic, please tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights. Sure, you bet. So I I grew up here in Des Moines. My wife and I went to high school together here. They're here. I went to Iowa State, graduated with a degree in physics with the intent of going to the Navy. So I spent uh, 10 years as a submarine officer in the Navy. Going to sea with kids is hard. So my wife and I, after 10 years, decided to leave the Navy and move back to Des Moines. I did not have a transportation background. I came into this industry. Well, submarines by- count. <laughs> <laughs> right. But that was, I, I knew how to move a submarine from Groton, Connecticut to, to Spain, but not certainly not how to move a truckload of freight. But I came into the industry almost by happenstance. I started with uh, Jacobson Companies here in Des Moines, who at the time was a small regional warehousing and trucking company. I spent 12 years there and was part of growing that into a $750 million business. When I left, I left in 2011. While I was there, I spent the majority of my time in managed transportation, but also uh, was managing assets while I was there. What do you mean by managed transportation, just for Uh, people who don't know? know. So it's uh, in my mind, there's really three different facets to transportation when you're in the logistics business. You can be an asset-based provider where you're running your own trucks and drivers. You can be the traditional broker, right, where you're acting as an intermediary between a carrier and a shipper on a transactional basis. The space I've always enjoyed the most is that managed transportation area where you're acting as an intermediary, but instead of acting like a carrier when you're a broker, 
you're really acting like the shipper. So you're behaving and executing the shipper's activity as if you were them. And you're working at that order level, whether it's a purchase order or a sales order, versus that delivery or shipment level that you would work at as a carrier. That's the way you guys talk over there. <laughs> you guys talk about orders. So you talk you talk like shippers rather than like... And we work in the managed transportation side of our business. We work in a shipper platform, right? We don't work in a dispatch platform. We work in a true shipper-based TMS. Yep. So continuing on, where'd you go after Jacobson? So after 12 years at Jacobson, I had an opportunity to move to uh, DuPont Pioneer. Part of my portfolio of customers at Jacobson were seed manufacturers. And I had an opportunity to go run uh, North American Logistics for Pioneer. First time working on the shipper side. It was a a great experience. I had an opportunity there to build a multi-node regional distribution network, outsource transportation to a third-party provider, go through a whole bunch of supply chain transformation work, as exciting as all that was. And in the midst of the DuPont-Dow merger, I just missed being on that provider side. I missed working across a number of different verticals. And I missed the sales aspect of it a little bit as well. And so about five years ago, I had an opportunity to come to Ruan. And so in my time at Ruan, I, I started here largely focused on our managed transportation and brokerage businesses. And then here a couple, two years, two, three years ago, became responsible for our entire supply chain solutions division. So you must have known those guys along the way. I've known Ruan. Literally. So here's a, here's a dirty little secret about Paul Jensen. In fact, I had job <laughs> offers from Ruan and Jacobson on the same day. Uh, nice. Coming the Navy. And for whatever reason, to- chose to go work for uh, Howard Hine over Jacobson Companies, but knew of Ruan and have worked with folks from Ruan for years. Uh, very nice. Very nice. So, so as I was thinking about maybe, in fact, I wasn't even really, really thinking about leaving Pioneer, but a gentleman that was on a board up at Iowa State with me, he said, hey, you ever think about coming back to the 3PL side? That's another thing I noticed about visiting Des Moines and doing some work with you guys in the past is that there are a lot of Iowa State guys at Ruan, and there's also a lot of Hawkeyes. And then I know it's a smaller college, but I also start bumping in everybody from um, Drake and Central over there. And I was like, boy, it's... it's we love our college sports because we don't have any professional sports teams in Iowa, right? So <laughs> we love our yeah. college sports. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, every meeting there was a little bit of Hawkeye versus Cyclone Talk. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so today's topic is technology alone won't integrate your supply chain. And what do you mean by that, Paul, when we say technology alone won't integrate? Because everybody loves the idea of, oh, I've I've integrated my supply chain. And I think what they're talking about usually is with technology. Yeah. And I think there's a critical nature to technology. And I think we've seen, certainly in my 20 plus years of being in this business, we've seen rapid advancement in what technology can do. In fact, I think shippers today, can get overwhelmed with all the data that technology can provide. But the reality is technology is an enabler. Uh, It's a foundation. But if you don't have the right physical and people processes to support it, you can't leverage the value that it can bring you. And so it's really about making sure that your, your physical processes are aligned and your technology supports them which is going to give you through integrated end-to-end supply chain. Right. We talk about APIs and all the all the other new visibility tools, and those are all great, but they don't move freight. <laughs> they don't touch freight. <laughs> and they're certainly enabling. Yes. But they don't enable you if you don't have the right people involved and you don't have the right physical process. You know, the thing I've said about technology from clear back in my days of, of working with green screen AS400 systems is that the system <laughs> has to reflect the physical condition of the network. Right. Because otherwise you're just using it to keep score. I heard somebody on my podcast uh, not so long ago say what 
what we're trying to create is a digital twin. So what's happening in the physical world is the digital twin to the the physical world is so important because that's reality. Right. 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 That's why technology alone doesn't get you from plan, source, make to deliver. Right. In this supply chain process. Right. And I always think in terms of the world, I'm getting more of a supply chain guy than I am a logistics guy. I always think from order to cash and, you look at how long that is, right? It's it's a lot longer than you think, especially for automotive or a complex manufacturer. And what's also interesting about that is when you talk about visibility, or which seems to be such a important thing these days, visibility from your warehouse to my customer or your factory to my factory, that's great. But what is it? Two days, three days, whatever it is, it's my supply chain from order to cash might be 10 weeks. So, and so I do think in a lot of ways, our supply chains physically are very disconnected. Technology wise, we're integrating. That's great. But in a lot of ways in the physical world, my truck might be a hundred miles from my warehouse and it might have, there's an owner operator, there's the carrier, there's a broker in between. Then the warehouse operator might be a separate entity. And I might not meet any of those guys. Right. And that's, this is still at the end of the day, as much as technology has become pervasive, it's still a relationship business, right? Knowing who you're working with, what they stand for is absolutely critically important to having a successful supply chain. We're seeing that more now more than ever, right? With, with all the disruption of COVID, with all the disruption from the weather event we had here a few weeks ago, knowing who your suppliers are and what they stand for is critically important. Right. And so if, if you're a broker or a 3PL, and I'm not against any business model that we have, they all work. There's customers for everybody. There's a lot of people, and we were talking about when we were prepping, and I'll throw myself into this category. I've never driven a truck. I've been in trucks. I've poorly driven one for a short distance, but that was only six-wheeler. And there's a lot of people who are moving a lot of freight who don't ever have any real interaction with drivers or terminals or physical materials. I've never been where their where their customers are at, and I think there's some limit to what you can do with that gap in your knowledge. Well, for sure, and uh, and I think that's one of the big differentiators in our approach to the business at Ruan because we are a large asset based provider. We bring with us even when we're acting. As the shipper, we bring with us, us that asset knowledge of what it takes to to acquire equipment, train drivers, hire drivers, retain drivers, manage the safety aspects of running trucks up and down the road. All of those things permeate within our non-asset based business as well. And so I like to think we're we're uniquely equipped to work uh, exceptionally well with customers on an end-to-end basis. Right. And speaking of the end-to-end, that order to cash, whatever you want to say, is when you're working with somebody larger who has assets, who has terminals, who has warehouses, have all this stuff, you guys work with larger shippers. I'm sure you work with some smaller ones, but you can invest alongside. So if somebody says, hey, there's a truck shortage, you go, well, maybe we'll buy a few more. You know, there is, I need somebody in this lane. Maybe I'll hire a driver. Maybe I'll buy a truck. There's some value to scale, right? There's some value to scale. And so when things get tight like they are right now, I challenge you to go get on a, a uh, OEM's build, get a build slot right now. There's some advantage to having scale, no doubt about it. Right. Well, yeah, I imagine when you guys call the uh, manufacturers, you get to call on the bat phone because <laughs> you're buying a lot. <laughs> so talk about the attributes of what we'll call the uh, more integrated supply chain. And again, 
technology, no matter what, has to be integrated. We want that digital twin. But talk about attributes of when you say, like, we have an integrated supply chain solution. What do you mean by that? Let me talk about that plan, source, make, deliver process, right? Each of those steps within it, and I saw this as a, as a working on the, the shipper side as a, in, a, with a manufacturer, they can become disconnected because they're different people doing that work and discrete processes. So when you're integrated from the, from the sourcing process, the manufacturing side of it knows when the raw materials are coming in and they have true visibility to that and can act on the data. And the same on it, we know as the, as the planning function for the distribution plan, like, like we act as on the managed trans side, right? We know we have visibility into when stuff's going to become available, when inventory can be allocated to a delivery, and then we can execute against that. But it's still, you have to have the right business rules, not just the technology, but the people rules around how that flows from step to step. So you go from, I received an order from the customer that I want material to I delivered it when it was requested, right? And if you don't have that visibility and integration, you get bottlenecks between each of those steps in the supply chain process. And as a manufacturer, you end up carrying extra inventory on the inbound side because you don't have good visibility. You make extra product and you carry more fit, uh, finished goods inventory. When you have end-to-end integration, both from the data technology and the logistic ex- logistics execution, you get to reduce all of that and for a better product, right? Yeah, in my experience also is, and, and we won't mention any of your customers, but I know from my experience that you guys will have your truck at their facility. So when somebody says, hey, uh, we need to move an order, your truck's there. It might Your terminal might be at the same place as their stuff. That's a great point, Joe. And I, let, let me give an example of a customer that we do this type of work for. We have a, a large manufacturer that has uh, a multi-site manufacturing network all up on the northern tier. Their vendor base is throughout the United States. And we run, a, <laughs> run an asset-based dedicated transportation operation for them that's largely designed and built around their inbound raw materials needs. And so those trucks are picking up raw materials, bringing them to a central facility, a consolidation facility where that product gets mixed, kitted and staged for the manufacturing plants. And then our dedicated fleet shuttles that product out of the, out of the consolidation center into their manufacturing sites, delivering line side prepared kits um, and those same trucks then pull finished goods back out of the manufacturing sites into a consolidation point where that material then goes out to their finished goods network. And then those trucks then go pick up raw materials coming back. And so having that flexibility to manage the inbound and the outbound side and when they have supply chain disruptions, we can react very quickly because we have that asset presence. Right. And when somebody says, hey, we'll move that, and there's a, sometimes a race to get a truck there by 4 p.m., right? When you're integrated like that, technology-wise, obviously, you can make some advancements in that. But it's also nice to say the truck is truck's here and so the inventory. <laughs> you know? and, and you made reference to dedicated. I know that's a big part of your business. Talk about what dedicated is. I did a whole podcast on this. So I'll put a link to what a dedicated is, but I don't think many people know what a dedicated fleet is. Yeah, that's a great question, Joe, because there's a number of different thoughts around what dedicated is. So some shippers think of dedicated as I've, I've sourced this one lane to a carrier. And whenever I have the, a need to go from DC to, to customer on this lane, that carrier is going to haul that load. When we talk about contract dedicated transportation, it's a, you can think of it as private fleet 
but an outsourced private fleet. In a lot of implementations of that, it's branded equipment. If you saw our truck turn up and down the road, you may not even recognize that are our trucks because they say our, they have our customer's name on the trailer. And it's dedicated, not just dedicated capacity, but really dedicated process so that the process of that fleet is built around what the customer needs to support both raw materials and finished goods distribution. So if somebody gets a dedicated fleet, they could have, it could be managed by Ruan. So the driver works for Ruan, the trailer belongs to Ruan, the tractor belongs to Ruan, but it says their name on it, does it? And then maybe in small print, uh, yeah, Ruan. I'm still going to say Ruan Transport. <laughs> right. Something in the small print, but so you could be, you, I know you work with large customers that a lot of people would know. When you see their truck go down the street, it could be very easily. That's a Ruan guy driving it. It's a Ruan truck. And now let me ask, but is that a better deal? I know it would depend, but is that a better deal financially? I know it's a better deal operationally. There's no doubt about that. Is that a better deal financially for a lot of customers? It can be in a lot of implementations. It just depends on what the, the shipper's distribution network looks like. If there's a lot of inbound raw materials that works really well with outbound demand, it's a no-brainer. Right. You need the backhauls to work. So Yeah. Or, or if it's a lot of short-haul, multi-stop, tight distribution, uh, the metal service center industry is a great example of that, where those, those metal service centers are distributing within 100, 150 miles of their location, and they might kick off 12 or 15 stops in a day. You're not going to get an over-the-road carrier to do that work, and you're working through a number of different carriers. You're not going to get the service that your customer expects. So from a cost and service standpoint, it makes a ton of sense to do that. Right. I know people who have one of your clients that I've talked to, they've said they've saved a lot of money with that. So I know it's a good way to go. And I think one of the things that, that Ruan's uniquely positioned to execute well is because we have this large portfolio of business, whether it's our dedicated business or our managed transportation business, where we can actually operate a Ruan network, not just a company ABC network. And so that customer gets to sit within the broader Ruan network and we can develop that backhaul program that make it, makes the, the fleet economically viable and competitive with one-way transportation, while at the same time getting the cost of, or the, the service and reliability benefit of a dedicated fleet. Right. And I always think it's underrated. An underrated thing happens in this business is of account familiarity. I always think that there's challenges when you have, if you use a lot of different brokers, a lot of different 3PLs, they never learn your business. And then as a 3PL, you're using different carriers and they're using different owner operators or whatever, different drivers. You never get the guys all on the same page. And when things are working best, as you go, that driver's been on this job for a while. He does that lane all the time. And when he goes, he knows, hey, I'm dropping off that ABC company and Mary knows me and I know Mary and I know she likes to golf on Wednesday afternoon. So I try and be there by 430. And we miss that in a lot of applications. And and so it's, it, we're all disconnected. So we go, the technology is connected, but the people aren't. And I think one of the undervalued aspects of dedicated sometimes by shippers is the problem solving ability that that driver who has familiarity with your product, with your network and your customers can bring to the party, if you will. They know how things should be because it isn't the first time they've done it. Right. And so they're solving problems that you never now never see. Right. And there's a there's a tremendous value to that. But I can't hang a dollar amount on it when I'm talking to a, a prospective customer about it. But it's, it's certain. 
So there's definitely some advantages to having this integrated supply chain that, again, you have a, a partner, right? And, and again, I, that's probably an overused term, but you truly are a partner because you guys can have the warehouse, you can have the the trucks, you can have the managed transportation group that's managing all of it when the technology. That's a nice thing to have. I think also having scale. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of trucking companies. Nobody can cover the whole country, but having a trucking company that can c- cover a big chunk of it with their own assets is a nice thing to well, have. <laughs> Joe, example of that, Joe, when we, when we were all living through what hopefully feels like the tail end of this global pandemic, right? Hopefully. <laughs> we've got, uh, I've said for a year now, we've got 4,700 team members that don't have a work from home strategy right? with our drivers and our, our warehouse associates. But we were able to bring that scale to bear for our customers who had, we saw that, that tail whip of transportation demand on the retail side. And we were able to move assets out of some of our verticals where they were slowing down in manufacturing. Automotive, yeah. <laughs> bring that capacity to bear for the retail networks that we run and bring them tremendous cost-effective value during that huge transportation push in late April and throughout May of restocking. And it's because we have that scale and flexibility and really that broader Ruan network I mentioned before, being able to look across that broader Ruan network and use this process we call the Ruan Freight Exchange to look for opportunity to drive incremental value for our customer by bringing capacity. Right. right. Well, you tell those guys when you guys and gals that I appreciate the toilet paper being back on the <laughs> racks. <laughs> A lot of that, and a lot of bottled water, and a lot of a lot of groceries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny as we exit COVID, and I think we are. It was horrible. Obviously, the human loss is horrible. The the fear, all of it, but the supply chain overall was remarkable. I mean, there's a few things here and there that you didn't get. There was, and more of that was consumer behavior, where everyone decided I'm going to start hoarding. But it was still remarkable how it worked. There was probably only a few days in this last year where I thought, I wonder if they'll have what I need at the store. Not very often. I didn't lose any weight, as you might see if you're looking at the video. (laughs) So anyway, Paul, why don't you summarize this topic and give us some final thoughts on it? Sure. Kind of the bullet point or the elevator speech on this would be, I think every shipper wants to have a truly integrated supply chain, but it does take more than technology. It takes great partners who can execute the logistics that make plan, source, make, deliver, process work. And that happens with physical process and people process uh, that's enabled by technology. Right. Yeah, technology isn't all of it. (laughs) Silicon Valley doesn't move stuff. (laughs) No, no. It's a big part of what we do, but it's a foundational. It's the underlying thing that enables our physical and, and people processes, our trucks, our drivers, our managed transportation planners to execute on behalf of our customers. Right. So before you, we wrap this up, Paul, tell us what's new over at Ruan and tell the verticals again that who you, I know you talked about the verticals that you guys do. What verticals do you serve? Sure, you bet. So Ruan's, like I said, is an asset-based, full-service, third-party logistics service provider. We predominantly work across four different service lines, contract-dedicated transportation, managed transportation. Again, that's where we act like the shipper. We're planning our customers' orders as if we were sitting in their transportation department or at their manufacturing site. We run value-added warehousing operations, and typically that's where we're also integrated at 
with the the transportation side of things. So when you say value added, explain what they mean by that. Specifically chosen that term as opposed to just warehousing, because we don't do public warehousing. We don't do pallet in, pallet out storage. Most all of the warehousing we do, we're adding value to the supply chain process in that warehousing operation. We're doing a kitting line operation in addition to in addition to running the warehouse. We're, we're running a, a consolidation center. We are uh, supporting a manufacturing plant. It's not just pallet in, pallet out public warehousing. There's a lot of folks that do that and do that very well. We just we prefer to be on that really integrated supply chain process side where we think we can bring the customer the most value. And then the last, I'm sorry, go ahead. And so some of those are dedicated sites where you say this is the only thing that we're doing is for this one customer? Typically, all of them are dedicated. So it's a bit because that allows you to build a dedicated process, right? And you get to keep your privacy and uh, confidentiality and all that. And you're not relying on a third-party provider who has a standard process because they've got 30 customers in a, in a multi-customer site. And you have to adjust your supply chain process to their right. Right. Yeah, you're customized to your, your customer. Yeah. And then the fourth area is is brokered services. That's as much an internal as it is an external source. When you run as many trucks and drivers as we, we do, we have a lot of customers that have fluctuating demand. We want to be able to help where we can and have it remain seamless to our customer. And so we have a lot of that business that supports our dedicated uh, and warehousing customers, but also straight brokerage, transactional truckload brokerage business. It's a great time to be here. Like I said, I, I couldn't be prouder of the company and who we showed we were during the pandemic. We really became one Ruan. Um, I think that's that's kind of our tagline coming into this year is we want to be one Ruan because no matter which of those verticals, uh, those, those service lines we may operate or all of them for a customer, my customer is also my dedicated transportation colleague's customer and theirs is my customer, right? It really is a how do we bring all of those capabilities to bear uh, to give our customer economical and viable, reliable solutions. Right. It wouldn't be a discussion with a Ruan person if we didn't talk about safety. So <laughs> talk about safety for a minute before we go. One of our guiding principles. We're a safety-focused organization. The preponderance of what my division does is non-asset based. And yet safety is a critical part of what we do. It's, with, it's part of our DNA at Ruan. We were one of the first trucking companies to establish a formal safety program years and years ago. Because at the end of the day, even on the managed transportation, warehousing, sides of the business, we are managing safety on behalf of our customer as well. And so it's just, it's part of who we are and what we do. We've invested a lot in safety in our asset and warehouse operations over the last 10 years and are committed to it uh, because we believe we want our, our employees to go home in the same condition that they showed up in in the morning. We want them to return to their family just like their family sent them to us. Right. You know, when you talk about running any sort of operational business, safety has to be the number one because it kills everything else. It kills morale. You can't say, oh, we're we're a family-oriented company or one Ruan or anything else if people are getting hurt at the job. It's a little bit like the technology of the supply chain. It's an underlying foundational thing. It's what you build off of. Everything else builds off of that. Right. Over the summer, I had uh, somebody on the podcast talking about his insurance guy, one of the big uh, trucking insurance companies. We talk about nuclear verdicts. And he said a lot of times, you know, you have a trucking company, they're seven states away, they're nameless, faceless. No one, there's not a lot of famous trucking companies. And when there's an accident, it's usually with somebody local. So when you're going to court, it's often 
local guy got hurt, trucking companies along the way. And a lot of times there's not any good evidence. But now companies like yours, I know, have all the cameras. So now we have better evidence. But this guy also said, he said, what lawyers on the representing plaintiffs, who, by the way, if, if there was negligence, we all want those guys to get paid for their injuries. But he said, now what they do is they say, let me see your safety. Let's see your records. And he said, if you have not done the right things, maintenance-wise, safety-wise, training-wise, he says, you lose and you lose big. And he says, those are how nuclear verdicts happen, is it seems that the, the attorney is able to paint the company as not caring about safety, not caring about doing the right thing. And that's how a nuclear verdict happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so while we certainly share the concern with the nuclear verdicts, uh, we certainly share the concern with being able to show that we are doing our own due diligence when it comes to safety. At the end of the day, it really is about our people wanting to do the right things for our team members. And if you do that, then you're good on the other side as well. Yep, exactly. Exactly. You're not doing it to avoid lawsuits. You're doing it to do the right thing. And it does help you avoid lawsuits. So this is that benefit as well. Yeah. So who do you guys primarily serve? Industries. Yep. You know, we're in. You well, touch everything. I know that. <laughs> if, you, if you find a piece of trailing equipment, chances are we're hauling it, right? Whether it's bulk, van, reefer, cryo, gases, chemicals, you name it, we're touching it. And I think that's one of the values that we bring is when you work across those number of different industries. I mean, we're one of the largest raw milk haulers in the country, right? I mean, when you work across all those different industries and verticals, you bring knowledge from those into the other ones. So we're, we're big in retail, CPG. Like I mentioned, dairy, we're big in the metals industry, flatbed, manufacturing. We touch just about every vertical out there. <laughs> nice, nice. So how do we? Re- how does somebody reach out and talk to you or someone from Ruan? By the way, I'll put your link to your website and a link to your LinkedIn profile. Yeah. If somebody wants to hit us up either one of those two ways, we'll make sure they get uh, the right folks talking to them and answer any questions they might have. And we really do have that kind of that. Uh, I know I date myself when I use this phrase, but it's kind of that Macy's philosophy. Right. If we're not the right folks for you, we're going to help you understand what you need, because at the end of the day, we're interested in long term partnerships, not short term customers. We have customers we've had for 40 and 50 years. If you go to Ruan, you're not dating, you're getting married. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we want. We want a long term. That's what helps you drive that consistency in your process when you're willing to sit down across the table and wrestle with each other about what's the right thing to do, not for this week, next week or next quarter. But what do we need to do now to set us up for success three, five, ten years down the road? Excellent. Excellent. Well, Paul, thank you so much for talking to me today. I, again, I've had some experiences with Ruan. They're all good. So, Hey, I appreciate it, Joe. This was great. All right. And thank all of you for listening to the podcast. Your sports very much appreciated. Until next time, Onward and Upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversations with experts in the logistics field. If you're an expert and would like to be featured on the Logistics of Logistics podcast, please email Joe Lynch at joe at the logisticsoflogistics.com.